Okay. Out with the old, in with the new. I want you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word, please. We'll be in chapter 6 of the book of Numbers. Chapter 6, and we will begin in verse 22 and read down through verse 27. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Father, I pray this morning that you would open our hearts and minds to clearly understand your word. And Lord, that we would see how contemporary this prayer of blessing is for the church today. Lord, we thank you for the season that we've come through. And I know we're about to turn the corner and go into a new year. And God, I pray that it would be a year where our love for you and for one another is renewed And that that love will be all the stronger. Lord, I pray for that one who, even here this morning, doesn't know Christ in a personal way. I pray that you would move upon their hearts and draw them to Jesus. That they can start the new year with the Lordship of Christ in their lives. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. According to the uh, New York Post, here were the top 20 goals when people were asked uh, a year ago to respond to a survey done and reported on by the New York Post. Here is what folks said going into 2020. Get finances in order. Get out of debt. Learn something new. Get more organized. Buy a new home. Exercise more. Spend more time with friends and family. Travel more. Do something nice for myself. Learn a new skill. Buy a new car. Lose weight. Volunteer more often. Disconnect from technology. Remodel my home. Quit my vices, redecorate my home, cook more frequently, organize my closets, and bring a pet into the family. Now, COVID might have interrupted some of those, might have strengthened others, but I wonder if you heard any of your goals that you had for 2020 listed there. But folks, with the year almost gone, let's think about closing out a year and beginning another. And before you have new beginnings, what do you have to do? You have to have an ending, of course. Now, Numbers chapter 6 is perhaps one of the most famous endings in all of the Bible. 
Now I realize that's a statement that might confuse you and so I want to explain what I mean by that. Number six is a benediction. Now what is a benediction? It is a closing blessing. In biblical passages involving worship you will oftentimes see a call to worship And included in that call to worship will be an invocation where we ask God's blessings and His presence on our gathering together. And then at the close of the service, you will have a benediction. Now folks, those aren't made up patterns. Those are actually patterns for worship that we see in the Psalms and various other passages in the Bible where corporate worship is being discussed. In many churches, a minister will stand at the close of the service and with outstretched arms, he will pronounce a benediction, a blessing on the members of the community as they get ready to scatter and go out into the world. Again, benedictions are biblical. We even see them in the New Testament. We see them at the close of Hebrews, Hebrews 13, at the close of the book of Jude. We even have a one-line benediction closing out the entire Bible in the book of Revelation where the prayer is, even so, come Lord Jesus. Listen to the one in Hebrews 13. It says, now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the benediction to the book of Hebrews. The benediction or the closing to Jude is now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Folks all of those were used as benedictions for the people of God when they would meet to worship. Now, as we look at this one in the book of Numbers, we know that it comes from the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible that God instilled into the hearts of His people, the nation of Israel. We see that God wanted them to saturate their hearts and minds with God's Word, with God's law, and then also with prayer. They were to be guided in their spiritual lives, not just individually but corporately. They were to be guided in their lives by the Word of God and by prayer. They were to have the commands of God on their hearts and they were to hide those words of God in their hearts and they were to pray to God in response to his grace and mercy in their lives. As they lived this way as a people, they would be a shining light to the pagan nations around them. You see, folks, God wanted the Israelites to be a very unique people, a holy people. A light shining in the darkness. Aaron and his sons 
And their descendants were called to be priests. They would represent God to the people and the people to God. In their role as priests, they would offer intercessory prayer. They were to offer sacrifices and to teach God's commandments. And they were to pronounce benedictions or blessings upon the people of God. And what was God trying to do through all of this? He was trying to instill in their hearts and minds that they were not a secular people. They were not like the peoples around them. They were to be God's people, God's chosen people. And they were to be a holy nation and they were to serve Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. Now here we see the prayer or the benediction, the blessing that Aaron and his sons were to pronounce over the people. And I want you to notice it is a prayer recognizing the necessity of God's favor and protection and peace upon their lives. Now today I want you to see it has great contemporary significance for us. Now Jewish tradition states that this blessing would be offered at the close of the daily sacrifice. It's significant in showing that God's blessing wasn't just for a special class of people like the Nazarites, for example, but it was a blessing for all of the people of God. And we need to understand the parts of it before we get into it. The name Yahweh, the covenant name for God, is included in each and every one of these petitions. It's a three-part petition. And each petition has not one, but two elements to it. And again, God's name is in each and every part. And that led early Christian writers to see a Trinitarian nature to this Old Testament blessing. Now verse 27, I want you to notice, says as they prayed this for God's people, God would bless them. And notice the promise. As Aaron and the other priests prayed this over the people, God would actually perform these blessings in their lives. Now folks, I want you to know that this is a prayer that I and the staff Offer for you as a benediction at the close of 2020. And as we start a new year. It is a benediction that acknowledges the futility of human life apart from God's daily grace. Now folks, whether we look back on 2020 or we look forward to 2021, the message is the same. Without God's favor, we would be in deep, deep trouble. Without God's watch care and His blessing and His protection, we would find ourselves in the most precarious place. I hope you've got a pen and a a notepad with you this morning. First thing I want you to write down, as, as the year ends and a new begins, may the Lord's blessing be upon you. Notice how he begins, may the Lord bless you. Now, folks, I know people 
think about blessings in many different ways. I mean, there are those broad categories I think that everybody would relate to. But then there are other blessings that are more in tune with what you might be going through in your life at any particular time. But of great importance in thinking about blessings, something we need to ask ourselves is how would the Hebrew people, how would those who heard these words for the first time, how would they have understood these words? Before we get into us, we need to understand how they would have interpreted these words. What would these words have meant for them? And so let's try to get inside their thoughts a little bit. And you know, we don't have to make up what we know they would be thinking because if we were to go over and read Deuteronomy chapter 28, and I'm going to ask you to write down Deuteronomy 28 and go home and read that later this afternoon because it is a chapter that describes for them exactly what God meant by blessings when it says may the Lord bless you he outlines in that chapter what he means by that and then the curses that God would put upon them if they disobeyed him and turned away from him and so Deuteronomy 28 helps us to get inside their minds and know exactly what they would have thought they would have thought, first of all, about an inheritance in the land itself. Because foundational to all of those blessings from God in Deuteronomy chapter 28 is that God is about to bring them into their own land. Now folks, think about it. For the Jews who had been in slavery in Egypt for more than 400 years, then to be able to witness God delivering you out of the land of slavery, bringing you to your own land, that inheritance, the promise of that inheritance would have been very much on their minds. Now keep something in mind. At this point in the Bible, the land is still just a promise. It's not a reality yet. And once they got into the promised land, every single family among them would get a portion of the inheritance. And again, think of everything that symbolized. The bondage that you've been in, the slavery that you've been in, the oppressors that you've had over you. And God has finally delivered you from all of that after more than 400 years and now you're a free people. You're God's people able to sing His praises and to serve Him without any hindrance. And God is leading you to your very own land where you can serve Him and be His prized possession. Think of the emotions that they would have had. And again, what the land would have meant for them to get this blessing from God, to get this inheritance. All we have to do to see what that inheritance meant was read another story in the Old Testament out of 1 Kings, the story of Naboth. Naboth had a portion of land right next to the king's palace, Ahab and Jezebel. And Ahab wanted 
Naboth's land. And, and he was going to pay him a great price. I mean, sounds like a fair exchange, right? The king wants property right next to the property that he has. It's my property. He's going to give me a good price. I'll sell it to him. I'll make a profit and I'll go get something else. But Naboth said, king, I can't do that because that's the inheritance that God has given to me and my family. He wasn't willing to sell it off. Of course, we know Jezebel concocted the scheme to have him killed so they could take his land by force. But that story just shows you what about what they thought about the land and their portion of it, their inheritance. They didn't want to sacrifice it or give it up. With all the discussions today, and I, I promise I'm going to bring this down to us, but with all the discussions today of who owns the land in Israel, keep in mind that God gave the Jews the land. He had given the Canaanite in the land over 400 years to come to repentance and faith in him. They had not, and so he was giving the land to the Hebrews. God is the one who said that the disobedience of the nations who lived there before had caused them to forfeit the land. Now, it's hard for us to imagine all the hope and promise that that land held for those people. It was a chance to finally have something of your own. Where you could raise your family, build a business or a farm or whatever, and live in peace and serve God. And that would be the most important thing about it. They could serve God without any fear of hindrance. Now folks, that land became a symbol of something else, didn't it? That land became a further symbol of the eternal inheritance that... You and I will enjoy one day when we cross over to the other side. Let's remember in the New Testament, the apostles like, like Paul and Simon Peter took these promises that were given to Israel and applied them to Christians. Simon Peter takes Exodus 19 when God is up on the mountain and, and telling the people, you're going to be a kingdom of priests, my people, a holy nation. Simon Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 takes those words to Israel and he applies them to the church saying now you're that chosen nation that peculiar people Paul referred to the Gentile Christians who made up the Galatian churches as the Israel of God I'm not talking about replacement theology what I'm saying is that the New Testament writers referred to believers in Jesus as now the Israel of God grafted in while the natural branches the unbelieving Jews have been broken off Jesus said I'm the true vine what he's saying is I'm the true Israel and my children make up my family and as Paul says in the book of Romans, it's not a matter of bloodline, but rather a matter of faith. True circumcision is the circumcision of the heart for those who are in Jesus Christ. And Paul also speaks of one olive tree with branches being broken off and we've been grafted in. 
And then God's going to stir. God's not done with the Jew yet. He's going to do something to stir them to jealousy. And they're going to be grafted back in. But what the Bible is telling us is that God has one family. There is one people of God. There's one olive tree. And there's a future inheritance. There is a glorious inheritance for all of the people of God and it is the blessing of God. Everything that he's talking about here is going to perfectly and completely be fulfilled one day for all who are in Christ. Part of God's blessing is we've got a home in glory waiting on us. Amen? And that's part of this blessing. When he says, may the Lord bless you. That you would, in, you would have that future inheritance one day. That you would know that your name is written in God's family book. You belong to him. And you've got a future with him. And in the meantime, until then, what is our prayer as part of this? That God would establish us in our homes and our work and our family. That he would prosper us enough in what we do that we would be able to adequately provide for our families. It's not wrong to ask for that after all. Jesus said in the model prayer in Matthew 6, pray this. Give us this day our daily bread. God knows that we have these necessities. And that as part of that, we need to worship freely also. For the first time in my life, I'm hearing people talk about the erosion of religious liberty right here in America. I don't think we're there yet. But I think we're flirting with it in some troubling ways. And so folks, as we think about this aspect of this blessing, let's apply it to us that we will always be able to worship freely without hindrance. That's something people take for granted until it's taken away. The Old Testament people would have also, as they heard Aaron talk about this blessing they would have also, again, connecting it with Deuteronomy 28, they would have connected it to good health. That God would prosper them and their families with good health. That's something else we take for granted until we lose it. You lose your health and then it's hard to focus on anything else but the trouble that you're having. And in a COVID year, we see how important good health is. Folks, back when we could visit the hospitals, it'd be, you'd be amazed when you'd be visiting with somebody to hear about somebody in the room across the hall and what they were facing and how bad it was. And, and again, you just realize the troubles a lot of people go through with their health. Good health is a blessing. And so again, as Aaron and his, and his 
kinfolk as his descendants raised their hands and would pronounce this blessing the Lord bless you in the Hebrew mind not only a free land where they had a possession where they could worship God freely but where they would have good health and could enjoy all of these blessings that would have been very very important to them and so let me say to you as we pray this blessing for you this year We pray for you and yours that you will enjoy good health and that God will prosper you in that way. Now myself and the pastoral staff, if you have health needs and you want us to pray over you, we would love to do so. Let me remind you of what James 5 tells us. It's your responsibility or somebody in your family to call us and to tell us that You need us to come and pray over you. We can't play this game of search social media to see who might have some kind of need going on in the church family. You know, people think word's going to get out. Word doesn't get out unless you don't want word to get out. And then word gets out. (laughs) The grapevine only works when you don't want it to work. But if you've got physical needs in your family, health needs in your family... The staff and I would love to come and pray over you and ask God's blessings on your health that God would heal you and prosper you physically. It would be our joy and privilege to be able to do so. Then they would have also thought of family. Children. The Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord. Now when they turn teenagers, you got to keep repeating that over and over and over again to yourself. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Connie and I had to sing that to ourselves many, many times. Children are a blessing from the Lord. But they are a blessing from the Lord. And so we pray the Lord's blessings upon you and your loved ones that God will prosper you in, in all the ways that God so desires. Again, folks, I'm just telling you, as, as they prayed this benediction prayer, all of these are thoughts based on Deuteronomy 28 of what would have come to their minds. A land to worship freely and an inheritance all uh, uh, of their own, good health and family. And so my prayer for you, the rest of the staff, our prayer for you going into this next year is that in all of these ways, you would experience these same blessings from God. And let's don't forget about the greatest blessing of all, the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1 says, In Him, that is in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all of your diseases. Sin enslaves, but how wonderful it is to be forgiven and free to enjoy the forgiveness of God to know that you are forgiven a number of years ago I shared an illustration about this and as a, as a granddad I read this again this week 
as a new granddad, I couldn't help but think this is just like kids. Johnny and Sa- Sally were their grandparents. And they'd just given Johnny a new slingshot. And he went out in the woods with it. He couldn't hit the broad side of a barn with that slingshot. Well, he got in close to the house and Grandma had a little pet duck. That duck was like a puppy dog to her. And he reared back that slingshot. He thought, I can't hit. There's no way I'll hit that. But I'm going to pick up rock. I'm just going to shoot at it and see how close I can come. Well, first time he hits it and kills the duck. He looks around, see if Grandma's looking. He gets the duck, hides it in the woodpile. But Sally, his sister, sees. <laughs> that evening, Grandma said, Sally, I need you to help me clean the dishes and clean up after dinner tonight. And Sally looked over at Johnny. Johnny knew she had seen everything. And she said, Grandma, Johnny said he wants you he wants to help you with all the chores tonight. Johnny's going to do that. She said, okay, Johnny, come on. Next day, Grandpa said to Johnny, we're going we're gonna to go fishing. Sally, I think you're helping uh, uh, Grandma today with all the cooking and stuff around. We're going to go fishing. And Sally said, no, Johnny told me, Grandma, he wants to help you with all that today. And I'm going to go with Grandpa. We're going to go fishing. He said, okay. This went on for days. Finally, when Johnny couldn't take it anymore doing his chores and Sally's, he broke down and told his grandma everything. She said, Johnny, I know. I saw you do that. I saw when it happened. And I forgave you because I love you, but I just wanted to see how many days this week Sally would keep you enslaved to your sin. (laughs) How wonderful it is, folks, to be forgiven. To be washed clean of all of your sins. And know that you're right with God. And if you don't know that. If you don't have that blessing in your life. Of knowing you are right with God. And you are forgiven of your sins. Either myself or one of the other staff members. We would love to meet with you. The close of this year and going into a new year. And we would love to walk through the scripture with you. And, and lead you Uh, to Christ and the assurance that God's word gives us of the forgiveness of our sins. You don't have to go out of a year and into another year still enslaved by all the wrong that you've done in your life. You can be free and you can be forgiven. That's a blessing from God. Now folks, secondly this morning, I want you to see as the... As the year ends and a new begins, may the Lord preserve you. Aaron said also, may the Lord preserve you. May the Lord keep you. Now, we know in a sense God eternally keeps His people. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 that He has that reservation in heaven kept for us and nothing can diminish it. And then we are kept until the day we receive that. God keeps us in that sense. But we know until then on this earth we face many dangers. There's dangers in this life. There's also spiritual warfare we're engaged in. There's dangers all around. And we need God to keep us. Our prayer is God will keep you and your family in this new year. That God will keep you and protect you. 
We need God to be the guardian of our lives. Who knows the dangers any of us might face this year? As we see almost weekly in the news, there's not a place on earth that's truly safe from disasters or from deranged individuals. Schools and workplaces aren't safe anymore necessarily. Public places aren't safe. Just look at what, what happened over the weekend in Nashville, Tennessee. Charlotte now ranks as one of the number one places in the nation where young girls as young as 12 years of age are kidnapped for sex trafficking purposes. Dangers all around. We could give testimony on that one of, of how some of our church families have been touched by that one. And think about COVID. The dangers there. Folks, when we look all around life at the dangers we face, what do we need? We need God to keep us and protect us because life is a vapor. Life is fragile. We need God's protection. I'm thankful police are there. They can't keep you safe everywhere you go. They can't be with you 24-7. Your parents aren't with you 24-7. They can't keep you safe everywhere you go. Ultimately, we need the, the keeping power of God. God is the guardian of our lives wherever we go because only He is truly the one who can watch over us. And so as Aaron prayed this prayer, I want you to know that we pray this prayer for you also. That God will guard you and keep you wherever you go. As this year closes out, you go into a new year. That God will, God will keep and guard you and your loved ones. And He will keep you in the palm of His hands. And He will be your shield and your guide wherever you go. And folks, let's remember another sense in which God keeps us. He keeps us for the purposes that we can move forward in faith. They were looking forward to God keeping them through the wilderness, growing in their faith until they got to the promised land. We need to remember we're not home yet. We need to keep moving forward. We need God to keep us growing and maturing in our faith until we see Him one day. In 2020, has your love for Jesus grown cold? Do you need renewal? That's part of this prayer. The children of Israel allowed the world around them and the hardships around them to, to choke out their obedience to God. The, the story of Israel's rejection is one of the saddest tragedies in the whole world. Here was a nation that God wanted to do mighty things in and through them, but they wouldn't listen to God. And what a lesson they become to us because we're the same way. Our hearts grow cold. But folks, we can't allow temptations and hardships to knock us off God's plan for us. We pray that God will keep us, protecting us, and moving us forward until we 
accomplish in our individual lives and corporate lives whatsoever it is that God wants to do in and through us. Amen? And thirdly, as the year ends and a new begins, may God's favor be upon your life. Look at verse 25. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. To say, may may God's face shine upon you is to say, may you enjoy the favor of God. It's amazing how many places the Bible speaks of God's favor being on people. You read some of the famous characters in the Bible and some of the things they were able to do. The scripture says because God's good hand and his favor was upon them. God had lifted up his countenance upon them and shown them his favor. Think of God lifting up his countenance upon you and making his face to shine upon you. And showing you his favor. Folks, all of the world's possessions, all of the world's fame and accomplishments can't even begin to equal that. God showing you his favor. Do you desire above all for your family and for your life God's favor upon you? I trust that you do. And then lastly today, I want you to see as the year ends... And a new begins. May the new year bring God's peace to you. Look at verse 26. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now there's some background we need to understand here. About the Lord lifting up his countenance upon you. Remember the book of Esther? To be able to go before the king, the king had to lift up his countenance upon her. If he did not do that, then going before the king would have cost her her life. That's an analogy here. We need God to lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace. And we know that God does that through Jesus Christ that if we come to him by Jesus we have his countenance lifted up upon us and we have his peace amen Paul says in Romans 5 1 being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ you can have his countenance lifted up upon you in his peace if you know Christ The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.18 that the just died for the unjust. The just, Jesus, died for us. The unjust. Why? Peter goes on to say that he might bring us to God. Isaiah 53 says he placed on him the iniquity of us all. Folks, you can't have peace with God on your own. God gives you peace with Him through faith in His Son. His Son is the one who forgives you of your sin and makes it to where you can go into the presence of God and He lifts up His countenance upon you. And you have peace in the presence of God. 
And so our prayer is that if there's any in the fellowship who don't have that kind of peace with God, again, that you would talk to us and say, you know what? I would be scared to death to go into the presence of God because I know that I would receive judgment and wrath. I'm scared to death of dying. I'm scared to death of uh, of facing God. You don't have to be because the Bible says you come to Christ. And He has taken all of your guilt and all of your shame and all of your sin and He has given you His righteousness. And you can have peace with Him and having peace with Him means that you're free through Christ to go into His presence and enjoy favor with God. Not because of anything you've done but because of what He's done for you in Christ. That's the greatest need you and I have. And God has taken care of that in His Son. So again, I want you to know this year, this is, our, this is my prayer for you. This is our prayer that the Lord will bless you in all of these abundant ways I've talked about. That He will keep you, that He will protect you and preserve you and keep you moving forward in faith. That He will make His face to shine upon you. That He will show you His favor and be gracious to you. That He will lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. That in His presence you can have joy and notice the promise here in verse 27 again he said so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them God is saying here as Aaron prays this and the priest pray this over the people God is going to do this in their lives he's going to accomplish this I want to ask dads in a, in a special way. If there's no dad in the home, if the mom is the spiritual leader, you, whoever's the spiritual leader in your home, make number 6, 24 to 27, a part of your daily prayers for your family. In your devotion time every day, take this right here and pray this over your family, over your household, over your children that every day as they walk out the door that God would cover them and keep them and protect them and show them his favor as you think of resolutions and goals also make sure Christ is at the center and that he's honored and glorified in everything that you do It's like the old dedicated Christian fellow said one time about his New Year's resolutions. He said, I've made several resolutions that I want to live up to. This coming year, I want to lie more, cheat more, drink more, and steal more. He said, I want to lie back and relax a little more this year, trusting God more and worrying less. I want to cheat more. I want to cheat failure by not being afraid to try something new for God because of a fear of failure. I want to drink more. I want to drink from the fountain of God's wisdom that He shows us in His Word. And I want to steal more. I want to steal more time from the world and I want to give it to God because He deserves more of my time. I want to redeem the time because the days are evil. 
I want to ask you to bow in prayer with me. And as you do so, would you just silently voice this prayer for yourself and your family members? Say, Lord, I want to ask you to bless me and keep me. Lord, would you make your face to shine upon me? Be gracious to me and my loved ones. Lord, would you lift up your countenance upon me and give me your peace? Be reminded that true blessings are only found in Christ. You need to come to Him now. Measure life not by your standards. Israel wasn't to judge their lives by the standards of the nations around them. But rather measure by God's standards what does He desire for you. That's all that ultimately matters. Ask Him for His protection and favor. And live in obedience to Him because remember He reserves His best for those who follow Him. And we need to remember that. Lord, we do ask Your blessings on our lives, on our congregation, on all the family members in our congregation. Lord, we are nothing apart from Christ. We go out into the dangers of the world every day and we don't know what a day may bring forth. We do ask you to protect us and keep us and set a guard and a hedge about our lives and watch over us. We do ask for your favor upon us. Lord, that you would lift up your countenance upon us and give us your peace. Lord, in all that we do, may we honor Christ. May we live for Him. And may we show the world, even as Israel was to show the world around them that they were different, they were unique. May we show the world that You've changed us. There's hope for the world because Jesus is the light of the world. And may we show them what that looks like when He moves into a heart and changes a life. Father, bless us as this year ends and a new begins. Everything in this blessing, in this benediction, we humbly ask you to do it in us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.